Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 462. There's one thing that top salespeople, top business owners, top people do that differentiates them from the the not, we'll just call it the non-top people in, in your sphere, okay? And that is... When you meet someone, don't talk about yourself first. Most people don't want to hear about the other guy until they have reasons to care. They want to talk about themselves. So ask them about their knowledge, their experience, their wisdom, how they got to where they are. Ask them stuff you couldn't find out online. And that will get them to open up and tell you stories about them. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth where you'll find me most weeks sitting down with a successful and inspiring author to talk about his or her latest book and their unique insights on things like leadership, mindset, productivity, entrepreneurship, and today's topic, sales. We will be joined momentarily by author Jen Gittimer. She wrote a book called Sales in a New York Minute, 212 pages of real-world and easy-to-implement strategies to make more sales, build loyal relationships, and make more money. I'll be asking Jen to share about her practice to successfully maximize and master our thinking effectiveness, her networking values, and the differences between networking and targeted networking, what she means when she says value-based selling begins with video-based selling, and lots, lots more. There is an online community waiting for someone just like you. It's called the Read to Lead community. And for now, it's free to join. You can find out more about it at jeffbrown.me. When you sign up for free right now, you get access to a free book summary every single week. In fact, just this past weekend, I posted a summary of the book No Rules Rules in our entrepreneurship category, that book co-written by Netflix founder Reed Hastings. Ashley, a member of our Read to Lead community, said, thanks for the recap, Jeff. My two takeaways I want to learn more about are talent density and Netflix's innovation cycle. Patrick said, awesome summary. Thanks for sharing. I love the action steps. And from an employee's perspective, I'll look for opportunities where I can surround myself with people I can learn from. I applauded Patrick's mindset, but I reminded him that that's also what the Read to Lead community is about, an opportunity to surround yourself with people who take personal and professional development as seriously as you do, a chance to meet those folks, to interact with those people, and oh, by the way, get a free book summary every single week. But that's just the start. Earlier today, I posted an article called Nine Steps to Maximizing Your Reading and Thinking Effectiveness, something we touch on today in our conversation with Jen in just a moment. And over the weekend, I published an article called Building Better Relationships, the Importance of Effective Communication in the Workplace. So lots of opportunities to learn. Again, surround yourself with people just like you who want to learn from me and each other and a free book summary each week to boot. Again, it's all at jeffbrown.me. That's jeffbrown.me. It's free to join. Hope to see you in the community real soon. In 2013, Jennifer Gittimer left corporate America to fulfill her entrepreneurial dream. 
She built a six-figure coaching business in a matter of months and then became a speaker, helping sales teams from coast to coast make more sales. After starting and building a successful business and running her husband's business, Jennifer realized that she had built the exact work-your-butt-off 24-7 model twice. And she decided she was done living to work, but would finally build a business by working to live. Her book is called Sales in a New York Minute, 212 pages of real-world and easy-to-implement strategies to make more sales, build more relationships, and make more money. Well, Jen, it's uh, a thrill to have you here on the show. I know it's, it's been a long time coming. We've been working on this for a while. Thank you, Honoré Quarter, if you're listening, for, for making the introduction. But I'm excited to finally have you here, so welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I read, or maybe I heard on your podcast, uh, that you are a lover of all things, uh, well, not all things four-legged, but the dog variety anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. I have two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, and they're like my children. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I know exactly what that's like. We've gone through our dachshund phase, and, and not, not that oh. it's a phase, but uh, our two oldest have since passed on, and we have uh, the third still with us. And and then a couple of more rescues uh, since then. But yeah, we uh, we are made fun of all the time. We don't dress them as much as we used to in clothes, uh, but <laughs> but we do think of them. At least I do, uh, like children. So I totally identify with with that. They they really are. My husband's daughter, by the way, has one of his older daughters rescues dachshunds. I, I got to put you guys in touch. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's very big in the dachshund rescue world. Great, great, good. Yeah, good, good to know that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> See how quickly you can make a connection, and then it goes to like something even deeper. Like it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today, and in, in, in deepening relationships and how that impacts sales and all of those things. I couldn't help but notice that as I email back and forth with you, and we set this up, there's a different last name than the one on the book from 2019, I think it was. So tell me a little bit about that transition. Well, I got married <laughs> <laughs> to a guy many have heard of. <laughs> yes, to Jeffrey Gittimer, the author of the Little Red Book of Selling, amongst uh, 17 other best-selling books. So my last name has changed. And do you know that, well, you probably don't know this because you're a guy, but changing your last name as a woman, like legally is the biggest pain. Mm. Like, and in COVID, they wanted you to mail all your documentation. I'm not mailing my social security card, my passport, my driver's license to some office, hoping it comes back to me. Right. Like, no, I'm good. So I wow. still have not officially changed it, but I do go by Gittimer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that that's how you had to go through it during COVID. That I would have responded the same way you did where oh, I in that situation. It's crazy. <laughs> it's totally crazy. <laughs> well, when Honoré made the introduction, the recommendation, yeah, I said yes, uh, sight unseen with regard to the book, because you know I trust Honoré. And even after seeing your book, I still trust you. No, I'm kidding. Jo <laughs> no, joking. joking. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great book. The thing that surprised me was how it was laid out. It was, uh, I, I don't want to say unusual, because that maybe gives the wrong connotation, but it's not laid out the way a typical business book, you know, you might expect to be to be laid out. I'd love to know about the process of writing it and writing it the way you did and, and the reasons you structured it the way you did. Yeah. So there's thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of business and sales books on the shelf. And they all contain somewhat 
similar information to an extent in, in each person's voice. And I wanted my voice to be heard in a way that really sunk in mm. to the reader. And I felt like the only way to do that was to take a look at the visual appeal. Because for hundreds of years, we've been putting text on page and calling that a book. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know what? We can do better. We can do better. We can make this fun for someone to read and keep their interest, keep their engagement. I mean, with all the social media and everyone being so scroll happy, like I got to keep going. I want to see what's next. Right. Right. You got to keep someone's attention. And and so um, the way I designed my book is every couple of pages, there's call outs like here you go. Right. And it's visually appealing in my mind, at least. (laughs) Very much so. And I love the call outs. I love that, as you intimated just now, it's it's very bite-sized. You can jump in anywhere pretty much in the book and read a couple of pages and get a concept and a next action from that and then feel like you got something and it took you yes. you know five minutes or less or 212 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. I wanted someone to be able to pick it up wherever. Hopefully you start from front to back because there is some sort of order to it. But I wanted someone to be able to pick it up from wherever they were. And if you're sitting waiting for your your appointment or you have five minutes and you can read just a page or two to be able to get a nugget out of it. And that was really my intention. And I know that like in most books, you have to read like a whole chapter in order to get to the point. And so I just wanted to get to the point. (laughs) Well, I had Dr. Gloria Mark on a couple of weeks ago, wrote a book called Attention Span. And she says our attention spans average, I think it was 47 seconds. With that in mind, a book structured like this uh, makes it easier for most of us to consume, myself included. (laughs) Well, many of your strategies have applications uh, beyond sales, certainly. Uh, But talk a bit about attitude, bad days, and the impact of, of negativity on specifically creativity. Yeah. So your attitude is like, it's like the flu. It's contagious. Okay. So if you walk around with a bad attitude, there's a reason they say misery commiserates or whatever that quote is, right? Like you, you, you tend to pick up on other people's energies. And if, if someone you're engaging with is in a bad mood, it's going to bring you down. And if you're in a bad mood, it's going to bring others down. And so you need to create what I call like an attitude antioxidant. You need to have your attitude health restructuring every single morning so that you know you're ready to go, so that you know you have created this uh, zone around you that no one can can change, that no one can attack in a in based on their whatever they're going through. And so if you drive to work, a lot of people don't drive anymore, like they stay at home and work from home now. But if you drive to work or you commute or you're sitting in traffic, right? You have to think about what are the things that piss you off and how can you begin to reframe them? So I used to hate traffic. Anytime I got caught in traffic, I would be so mad, like, oh, why am I sitting in traffic? And it would it would literally change my state. And so now I think, thank God, I am in this traffic for a reason. And if you begin to believe that everything is happening for you, then you can see the good in it. Now, maybe you're in traffic because there was an accident and and this prevented you from getting into it, right? Maybe you're in traffic because of who knows what, okay? But someone was looking out for you, some higher power, some higher being was looking out for you. And that's that's truly what I believe. And so now when that happens, when I can feel myself going to, 
Instead, (laughs) I change it to, okay, thank you. How can I be grateful for this moment? What can I do in this moment? And, and, and just be grateful that whatever caused the traffic is not me. I love that philosophy. Sort of, uh, what does this make possible? Yes, yes, exactly. And so when you talk about negativity blocks your creativity, if you're in a, think about it when you're in a fight. And you're arguing back and forth with someone and then you go and you calm down and you're thinking about what you you each said and you're like, oh, I wish I had said that or I wish I had said this. <laughs> well, in the moment when your state of being is so ungrounded and is in such an intense place, you can't be creative. You can't come up with out of the box thinking ideas. And that goes for if you're fighting with a spouse or a partner or your kids or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. If if there's negativity there, then you can't, it, it blocks your creativity. And so if you want to write a book, if you want to do anything with with an ounce of creativity, you need to calm your state. And I look at breath work, which is probably not much in the book about that because I, I was not big into breath work mm-hmm. back then. But breath work, meditation, yoga, all the things that we know can get you back to the flow state. I've gotten a lot out of, and I think maybe you mentioned this in the book, the Headspace app. Yes. Here's what that does. Okay. When you meditate, you end up breathing better. Mm. And the reason why breath is so important, we we do it every day, right? It, it's, it's just It's something we do naturally. Most people don't ever think about it. However, the next time you're in an angry state or a negative state, I want you to check your breath because when your breath is high and tight, your body's in flight. When your breath goes all the way down to your belly and it's low and slow, you're in flow. Mm. So high and tight, you're in flight, low and slow, you're in flow. And that's exactly what you're putting out. Okay. What you're breathing in is exactly what you're putting out. And so it, it all works together. So many of the things that you list with regard to uh, your thinking time are things that that I do during mine. And this is something that I think just a lot of people, as, as you talk about the book, don't make time for in the first place. How, how can we successfully maximize and master our our thinking effectiveness? And, and what are some of the ways you do that specifically? Yeah. So in the book, I wrote a, um, a couple of pages on thinking about thinking, <laughs> because we often don't do that, right? We just, you know, we know thinking is important. But how many of us actually schedule time on our calendar with ourselves to think? I, I would venture to say not not many people, right? And so when when someone says, oh, I get my greatest ideas in the shower. Well, yeah, that's because you're in a calm and relaxed state and you have silence and your brain has slowed down in a way that you could think. What if you could get those great shower ideas multiple times a day, what would that do for your life? What would that do for your business? What would that do for you personally? So when you think about thinking, the first thing you need to do is schedule time on your calendar. Like pause the podcast, go to your calendar, block out an hour. You know what? If you've never done it before, block out 15 minutes. Okay. Everyone can find 15 minutes somewhere. Start there and schedule time to think. And obviously it's important to like what we just talked about, to have a clear head and 
to really be in the right zone, the right flow Mm -hmm. to be thinking. So you might want to do breath work. You might want to do meditation, yoga, whatever that you may do. You might want to dance it out. Okay. I love a little good (laughs) dance because it like moves your, moves the body and gets you in flow and then write everything out that's on your mind. So I I call it drain your brain. Just Mm -hmm. write every single thing out that's on your mind so that you're not thinking about, oh, at three o'clock, I have to go pick up the kids and here's what I'm going to make for dinner. No, those things are taking up space. Just write them out, get get them out of your head and then begin to think about whatever it is you want to think about. Mm. And it makes it so much more impactful and so much more effective. Something I didn't mention that I should now that I'm thinking about it is that Jen breaks the book down into three parts. Part one's all about you. Part two is all about selling. And uh, I want to move into that section now where you write about the the values of networking. Share some of your networking values, Jen, and the difference between uh, networking and targeted networking. Yeah. So I'm a big networker because I built my business on networking, actually accidental networking. I was I wanted to play more tennis as an adult. So I signed up for a tennis league and this guy was like, hey, you're you're in sales. You should come to this networking meeting. Like, no, I'm good. Thank you. And he's like, no, 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 you need to come. Right. He followed up with me for nine months, Mm. maybe more, almost month, definitely monthly, sometimes more to get me to come to his networking meeting. And I'm an introvert and I'm shy. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? He's like bragging that there's a hundred people in the room. I'm like, could there just be five? (laughs) Like, why a hundred? That's so many. (laughs) And so I ended up going and it scared scared me. I'll just say that. I don't yeah. know if we can curse on the show, so I'll just say it scared <laughs> me. <laughs> and and I went and I and we got this roster. It listed everyone's name, their business and what a little bit about what they did. So as everyone's giving their commercial, I started ticking off who I wanted to meet because there's so many people in the room. I can't I'm not going to be able to talk to everybody after the meeting. But but this person wants an introduction to these people and I actually know them. So I'm ticking them off. This person does websites and I need a website. So I'm checking. Right. So I'm check, 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 check. And I made sure to walk around the room and check my checks. Right. To, to, <laughs> to make sure I'm like connecting with the people that I had wanted to meet. Right. And that's where the idea of targeted networking came in. Figure out who you want to meet before you get to the meeting. It was a bit of a scramble for me that first time because I'm hearing who they are and now I'm rushing all over. Where was that girl? You know, I wrote down what they were wearing or something to remember who they were to find them. And so if you can pick your targets ahead of time and know that you're going to this event or you're going to this meeting or you're going to whatever it is and there's two or three people that would be great for you to meet, then you can do research on them and figure out, just like you said at the beginning of the show, you were like, hey, I, I know you like dogs, <laughs> right? And we connected on that immediately. And so you can do research to figure out, I mean, so much about other people is available online now. And so you can learn almost anything you want to know. You can learn way too much about another person. And you can definitely find something that you might have in common with them so that you can strike up the conversation. So that's the target and networking piece. Mm -hmm. And then my values around networking are really simple. A, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Now, you should give, but give without expectation. Okay, don't give and then expect, well, I gave this much, so now I expect I'm going to get that much. No, it's the more, the more. The more you give, the more you're going to get. 
but you can't expect it. It's just, you have to trust that it's going to come to you. Mm. I started running networking meetings and I would see that I would give this person a referral. Then they would give that person a referral. And it, it wasn't like I gave this person a referral and they gave me one back. Right. But it would just go zigzagging around the room and eventually it would come back to me. And you just have to trust that that's what will happen when you're networking. Mm. And so it's this attitude that BNI calls givers gain that I, I really live by that the more you give, the, the more the more you're going to get. And what is giving really? Giving is giving a referral, giving an introduction, giving an idea, giving something of value, giving a book, right? Giving saying, hey, this book would really help you. At, I think you should read it. When I when I started my business, there was a guy who offered to meet with me from that networking group. And he was 25 years ahead of me in business. And he gave me such valuable information by giving me his time and his, his open mind, right? To brainstorm on my business. And that was the biggest gift of all. Right. And so it's it's all about giving and showing up and, and getting into a leadership position as quickly as possible. When I joined that group, because the story goes, I ended up joining that group. I, I became on the leadership committee and then eventually I left to start my own group and I was president of that group and, and recruited people. And it makes a big difference when you stand up as a member versus when you stand up as a leader. And let's talk a bit about social selling. I think that's something that that some are often uh, confused by. What does that really mean? How do you define social selling, Jen? And what do you consider to be maybe some of your best social selling practices? Yeah, it's interesting how much social selling has changed since I wrote the book and yet stayed the same, mm. right? Mm. Because now I would say the biggest, the biggest differentiator between then and now is AI. And we can talk about that in a minute if you want. But to me, social selling is all about showing up authentically with who you are and what you have to offer online in a way that attracts other people, gets them to raise their hand and follow and connect with you, ultimately engage with you, and then buy from you. With social selling now, there's so much AI that you could go into ChatGBT or wherever you want and say, hey, write me 10 posts on, insert your topic, and it's going to spit back 10 posts. The problem with that is that it just gave you something generic that is not you. Mm. And so can you use it as a base and something as a starter? Sure. But people connect with people. People are connecting with you online. And so if you have someone writing your post for you or you have an AI machine trying to learn your voice, it's not you. And mm. people can feel that. And then the first part of what I said in the definition is that you're showing up authentically. And so that's really key because people aren't connecting with robot Jen, right? They're mm -hmm. connecting with the real Jen. And and I think that's going to become a big a big thing moving forward. You know, you remind me I spoke Wednesday night to a group of uh, about 115 Nashville podcasters and the very first question I was asked was how can we marry AI with what we do? And the very first thing I mentioned was well everything we do as creators starts with writing, right? And so that's one of AI's strongest uses is, is in the writing, right? But I too caution them that you need to think of it as a research assistant, let's say, yes. not, not as something that's going to do work you can get out of doing. You still have to do the work. You can use this thing to assist you in the work. But if you're not in it, then you're not going to be a content creator for very long. 
I totally agree with that. And I think that um, that's a great distinction that it's it's more of a research assistant than a replacement. Mm. It's not a replacement for your work because your voice is what people relate to. Well, what are some of the reasons you recommend that everybody in sales, every person who's selling, and that's really all of us technically, but let's say traditionally in sales, start a podcast? So... And, you know, I recommended that before so many had, (laughs) right? I feel like I was pat myself on the back (laughs) a little bit ahead of my time. Right. And and then it was a recommendation. Now it's an imperative. Mm. Okay. People relate to you. People relate to people. Sometimes people will say to me, well, I can't write a book. I I don't have that many words. How am I going to find? It's like, you don't have trouble talking, do you? So (laughs) show up and talk. And, mm-hmm. and, and then you have a hundred, at uh, some point, eventually you have a hundred episodes and now those can be transcribed and turned into writing. And you are writing because writing and talking is thinking mm-hmm. and expressing and goes back to that thinking time from the beginning. And so, um, a podcast helps people get to know you better. It gets, it helps people relate to you. You, you learned I have dogs. Um, and, and, right. And that's like one snip in the podcast. And, but it was the, the relatable piece. Mm. And that's what's so interesting. Right. I, you know, I can tell people I make cacao every morning. I show it on my Instagram a lot. I just started getting into matcha. And so like those things, those pieces, those anecdotes, those are relatable pieces that unless you're showing up all the time, people won't won't be able to learn or get to know you. Mm. And when you offer a podcast as a salesperson, you don't have to do all the talking. Go interview the top people that you want to get to know and feature them. Tell their story. Who are they going to want to talk to more about their about what you offer? You who just featured them or Joe Schmo, who's going to cold call them. Early next week, I'm interviewing someone who wrote in a group that I'm in, hey, will someone help me extract my story? I have this really cool story to tell and I need someone who's who's good at interviewing. And I was like, yes, <laughs> because she's an ideal client. She would be fun to work with. And I want to hear her story. I'm ge- You can't do it if you're not genuinely interested. But if you're genuinely interested, then it will it, it begins that relationship. It's that relationship builder. I never realized when I started this podcast nearly 10 years ago, the the networking opportunity it would be. I, I wasn't even thinking about it in those terms when I started it. It was, it was a selfish beginning of, well, not completely selfish, but I, I, I want to I read some great books and talk to some interesting people for my, you know, for my own edification. And then also maybe use it as a way to encourage people to get their nose in a book more often. But it's become this tremendous networking vehicle that I just never realized it was going to be. Yeah. Tell me what, in your opinion, the the top sales performers do that the regular Joe Schmoes do do not do. I know, for example, you you were selling Cutco knives at, at a very young age, and I think you told a story too in the book, not related to that necessarily. But you went to to interview at one company, and they thought you were too young, and so then you went you know across town and interviewed for the competition. They gave you a job, and you became like a sales leader in in, in pretty short order. Yeah. So. There's one thing that top salespeople, top business owners, top people do that differentiates them from the the not, we'll just call it the non-top people in in your sphere, okay? And that is they take ownership 
and self-imposed leadership. They become the CEO. So if it's, if it's of in selling, you become the CEO of your territory. If it's, if you're an entrepreneur, you become the CEO of your business. Mm. And I work with so many clients who come to me and their, their business is running them. They are not running their business. Their business is running them. And over the course of time, they're like, I put my CEO shoes on today. I'm like, there you go. (laughs) Right. And so I'll give you an example. Um, I had a, I had a sales rep, Lucy, just an amazing human being out of Atlanta. And she got assigned a pretty hefty quota mm-hmm. and she she knew, I didn't know, but she knew she was pregnant and going to be having a baby mid-year. Mm. So what most or many people would do is they would go to their boss and say, hey, just a heads up, I'm going to be taking maternity leave on this date. So like we have to reduce my quota because I won't be here the full year and I won't have all year to sell and blah, blah, blah. Not Lucy. Mm. Lucy came to me and said, hey, I'm going to be on maternity leave. So here's how I'm going to make my 12 month quota in less than 12 months. Okay. She took ownership. She knew that the wins and losses were up to her because she was in charge of her territory. No one was coming in while Lucy was on maternity leave to, to sell that territory. That was her territory. And she, she put her stake in the ground. And so the question for, for your listeners is where do you put your stake in the ground? Where are you the CEO in your life, in your business? And how can you step up even more and really be that leader? Related to this, I I like the idea of uh, assuming the sale is yours. What do we get ourselves and our customers or how do we get ourselves and our customers in that frame of mind? Are there questions we can ask? Is there a way to, to frame that easily? Yeah. Language is really important, right? So if you go in and you're like, well, if you work with me, no, 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 no. When? When? Not if. <laughs> when? So, and and you could do the same things if you have kids, right? So, if you go to school tomorrow, no, no, no. When you go to school tomorrow, we always assume they're going to go to school tomorrow. We don't think, oh, maybe they'll wake up and like just be in a mood to not go to school, right? <laughs> we assume. So, therefore, they assume they're going to school. But where does this not play out in life? And and so, if you can begin to assume the sale is yours, your language changes dramatically. And one word, it's amazing how one word in a sentence can change the entire meaning of a sentence. Mm. And so when you begin to look at your your language patterns and your language, I have gotten really deep in language over the past couple of years. So I'm a nerd on this kind of stuff. When you begin to look at your your language, you'll see, are you using assumptive language or not. And if it's with selling and you believe that you can help the person, then you should be assuming the sale because that's going to change all your actions. Your thoughts and your language are going to change how you act. And so if your thoughts and your language are not in an assumptive way, but they're like, oh, this person's not going to buy from me because I've lost the last three sales. Well, you're going to take actions that are probably going to kill that sale. Same can be said of uh, relationships. 100%. 100%. If you're like, you know, when I get home, my husband's going to be in a bad mood because he's been in a bad mood the last three days. Well, then you get home and you're probably like abrupt about something because you're annoyed from <laughs> yesterday, right? That uh, and, and so now he's pissed off that you're pissed off and see how it's like a circle. Yeah. And rather than what if you assume today he's going to be in a great mood? And by the way, my husband's actually almost always in a great mood. So this is not about <laughs> my husband, but 
just more the general, the general person. But yeah, like our words, our thoughts dictate our actions. And so just start watching. If you don't like how something's turning up, start asking yourself, how are you responsible? And if your immediate answer is like, I'm not responsible and you go to blame someone else. Well, where can you take responsibility so that you can change the outcome? I know when I'm doing too much of that, because my wife will look at me and she'll say, you realize we're on the same team, right? (laughs) I say, I've got your best interests in mind. I'm not working against you, just so you know. Uh, What do you mean, Jen, when you talk about value-based selling begins with video-based selling? Yeah. So we're face-to-face. I can see you. I I can feel your energy. You can feel mine. And that makes a big difference versus let me just send you an email and and do this podcast by email, right? That wouldn't that wouldn't work. <laughs> right. And so there is a value to showing up and offering out your energy on video, on screen, mm-hmm. if you can't be there in person. Obviously, in person is prime. Mm-hmm. But if if you can't be there in person, who have you sent a video message to this week? And I can bet it's for most people, it's no one. Mm-hmm. But do you know the type of response that I get when I take five minutes in a day to film a bunch of videos? Hey, Jeff, it was great talking to you on the podcast. That's that right. Versus an email and how much more people appreciate it. Mm. You know who likes this too? My grandma. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My grandma loves receiving video messages from me. And I bet your family members would love that too. Is this grandma Harriet, by the way? No. It's not because okay. she passed, but oh, it, but she did know, but she, she, she gets mental messages. She sees me all the time. She's always with me. It's all, it's all good. A part of her is still awesome. always with me, <laughs> but wow. Very, very detailed. I'm, I'm loving it. But no, my <laughs> other grandma who is alive, like she, she gets video messages and she loves them, right? Like how cool, but it's not just for grandmas. Okay. It's for friends you haven't spoken to in a long time, family members that you want to get better in better relationship with and closer touch with. It's if your parents are still alive, go send them a video message. Just let them know you're thinking about them and that you appreciate them and that you're grateful. This may change at some point in the future. Maybe people listening will take your advice and it won't stand out as much in the future as it does now. But I can look at those who have pitched me directly uh, about having them on the show over the years. And there's one, maybe two that stand out. Both reached out to me via video. And one, though it was just done on the phone, there was nothing necessarily special or unique about it. It wasn't like, quote unquote, professional. It was so well thought out and well researched in in what they said and, and the value they thought they could provide that I then took that and later in speaking to authors, a room full of 450 authors about things they can do to get through and get on podcasts, I used that exchange, that video exchange as an example, because as you said, nobody's doing it. No, the problem is we're given, this is gold. Okay. This is you, you want, if you're a salesperson or a business owner and you're like, oh, my emails get ignored and you're not sending video you're missing out. So we have a partnership now with Dub. It's um, dub.com slash Gittimer. You get a discount, D-U-B-B. And we use their videos throughout our entire sales process. We Mm -hmm. use it to send proposals. We use it as thank yous. We use it if the client doesn't happen often, but if they stop responding for a little bit, 
We send a video. It's embedded into our entire sales process and they make it really easy to Mm. send it through email so that they're not having to click out of email and go someplace else. It's it's really like so simple. I'm going to be checking that out as soon as this conversation. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Well, I want to move to the last section of the book and the time we have left and sort of dip our toe in the water of, of part three here, which is called From Work Life to Real Life and Back. And, and you say you don't have a lot of balance, uh, and this is a direct quote, but you do have a lot of work and a lot of life. Expound on that, if you would. I used to not have a lot of balance. I was so out of balance that I ran myself into the ground. I built a pretty successful business and just, I mean, I got adrenal fatigue. I was so sick. I couldn't, wow. I, I could work like two hours a day. So I realized that's not the way to do it. There gets to be a better way, right? Has to is one of those words that's pressure language, uh, which feels so much better, doesn't it? So that that's what I say when I nerd out on language. Anyway, <laughs> with balance, what I realized is if you're building a business, you're doing it to live. You're not you're not building a, a business so that you can then figure out your life in between. Your life has to be embedded. So now every Tuesdays. From every Tuesday from nine to noon, I'm playing tennis. I have a match. Okay. I'm in a league. I'm the captain. That's the middle of the work day and a prime work day. And you know what? I come back more refreshed, ready to rock, ready to roll because I got that time in. I got the sunshine. I got the sweat. I got the friendship. Like all the things are happening on that court. And I'm able to come back feeling more refreshed. So I think if one of them feels out of whack, you really need to ask yourself what you can do, what where you want to be spending more time, because we only have one life to live. And it's not worth it to kill yourself or get sick over a business that you're creating. If you get sick over a business that you're creating, then what was the point? You could have gone to work for someone else and gotten sick. <laughs> Why have the headache of running a business? Right. (laughs) You reminded me again of my conversation a couple of weeks ago with with, uh, Dr. Uh, Gloria Mark, and and she talked a bit about her time in Germany and working there and how lunch for them is a time to unplug and they take their time and then they go for a walk afterwards. And then she got back to the States and it was was more about eating at your desk or maybe not eating at all and how taking that time to unplug or like play tennis actually helps you be more productive. Uh, less is more, I guess, is, is another way of, yeah. of saying it. Well, well, think about it. Even if your computer is on 24-7 at some point, it does get burnt out. Right. So if we try to do that to our bodies, which aren't machines, they're not meant to even be like machines, and we try to do that without unplugging, so to speak, we will get burnt out. Someone on my team sometimes will say, oh, I didn't go for my walk today. I'm like, stop everything you're doing. I want you to go on a walk. Nothing is this urgent that you don't have time to go for your walk. You want to go on a 30-minute walk? Go. Enjoy. Let me know when you're back. You know, if it's 45 minutes, I don't care. Like, because I know she's going to come back and be so much more productive and feel so much more refreshed. One of the things I love about having dogs is they force you to get outside because if if you don't take them out, you've got a problem. <laughs> and so my dogs are a little spoiled and they go outside uh, six to eight times a day. Mm. But I like going outside that often. 
Right. right. So we go outside at five or six, then we go outside at nine, then we go outside at noon, then every two hours or so I'm going outside. Mm. And sometimes I have to take a Zoom call with someone because it's their time. They have to get out, you know, they're back to back or whatever. And I'll be on the phone and I'll say, hey, I'm I'm sorry. I have to walk my dogs. They need to go outside. And you know what? A hundred percent of people have been understanding. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's all good. That's totally something that that I should latch onto because, you know, as I said, I've got dogs and I often find myself not allowing myself that freedom and thinking that, I, well, I need to be sitting here at my desk. I've got to be in a controlled environment and not giving myself the freedom mm. to get out uh, and, and, and instead be tied to this specific spot. That's a challenge for me. So I appreciate you throwing down the gauntlet there because I'm going to try to practice that more. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you a real challenge. So <laughs> <laughs> if you can find one hour a week to go on a walk without your phone, without your dogs, just with yourself. But Chen, how will I remember all the good thoughts? Don't worry. You'll remember whatever you need to remember. Okay. You can bring a notebook if you really want, but go on a walk and just observe nature and be one with yourself. Right. And it sounds so corny, but some of my best business ideas have, and, and even life ideas, like situations that needed problem solving and able to come up with this solution, be one with nature. Mm. Just go on that 45 minute to an hour walk. And we all have that hour. We can all find that hour. It's a matter of doing it, right? And there's a difference between knowing and doing. And so, you know, it would be great for you, but I can't wait to hear what happens when you do it. I am going to do it. I'm taking that challenge for yes. sure. I don't care if it's 25 degrees outside. I'm going to make it. <laughs> Sometimes that's that's a good thing. It is. It is. Yeah, I've 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 run in weather colder than that. So if I can if I can run in weather that cold, I can certainly walk. <laughs> One last question about the book, and I loved reading about this aspect of your life as well. How important is your morning routine to your success? Would you say, and and what comprises that typically? Yeah, my morning routine is is everything. It mm-hmm. sets the foundation for the day. You wouldn't build a house without a foundation. You no one would think to do that. So why do we start our day so often? Just getting into it without creating that foundation? And the answer is, I don't know. They don't teach this stuff in schools. They teach ridiculousness, but they don't <laughs> teach they don't teach the good stuff that that really matters and makes us like productive and successful human beings. And so part of my morning routine is to sweat. okay, I gotta sweat, I gotta see sunshine. I gotta get outside. even if it's cold, I hate the cold, but even if it's cold. Mm-hmm. And I read and I write and I do the things that get my brain going and thinking. And I have hacks to that, right? I I add in cacao because the cacao really opens up. It's a plant medicine and it opens up my, my thinking and ability to be creative. It also helps me be focused on setting an intention for the day, which... I love. Um, sometimes I'll sage in Palo Santo. And this morning I vacuumed and then I saged and cleared the energy. And I just felt like Friday, it just needed a fresh start Friday. And a lot of times I'll dance and just like move the stuck energy or like warm up my voice and do weird stuff like, <laughs> you know, and just like get all the like weird stuff out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um but, but that sets the foundation and everyone has to find their own thing, right? Like you might not want to dance tomorrow, but I do, right? And so you got to do what works for you. And, and a lot of people will say, well, I follow this person's morning routine. 
No, it's not about someone else's morning routine. You do your morning routine. And I think what's even more important than a morning routine is your evening routine. Yes. Talk a bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah. So how do you set yourself up at night to have a great next day? Because we all know that it's in the preparation. So people talk about the morning routine, but what they don't talk about is like, okay, are you going to bed at a timely hour so you can wake up and be ready for your morning routine? Mm -hmm. How are you going to bed? Are you going to bed with calm thoughts? Have you gotten everything off your mind? Or is there like some story circling in your head that you just need to get out? So maybe you need to meditate or or do things like that. Um, A lot of women have a skincare routine or a way of taking care of their face. And that's great. But to me, that's just the beginning, right? What are all the other things that you need to do so that you can go to bed and get a great night's sleep and wake up ready for the next day? So for me, I'll be setting out my clothes. I typically play tennis in the morning. I'll set out my clothes the night before. So I don't have to think about it. I prepare my water. I'm crazy. And I distill my water so Mm. that I take all the junk out of it. And then I add in my own minerals. Mm -hmm. So I make my water for the next day, the day before, so that I have fresh water, clean water, and I put some by my bed so that when I wake up, I can immediately drink water, right? Mm -hmm. There's little things that you can do that create health and wellness in your life and take, you know, not a lot of time, but set you up for success. Well, we've jumped into all three sections, but is there anything from the book I haven't asked you about that you want us to know or walk away with? So at the end of the book... The best advice I can give to any salesperson is love what you do. Mm. And I I really, I really mean that we have one life to live and you're going to wake up every day and do whatever it is you're doing. And that's not just advice for salespeople. It's advice for moms or dads Mm. or business people or wherever you are in life. Love what you do. It's so important because that's where your energy is going Mm. and you get to love what you do. You don't have to be stuck or stay in something that you don't love. There is always an option. Well said. Well, this being the uh, the book show, uh, before we wrap up, uh, I wanted to ask if there are one or two that have impacted you over the course of your your life and career that you'd be willing to, to recommend or, or share with us. Yeah. So you mentioned Honoré at the beginning. I love her books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitely check her out. I'm sure you can link to her Honoré mm-hmm. Quarter. Jeffrey Ginnimer, my husband, which... It's how we met. Someone recommended that I would love his writing and love his books. And I started reading it, one of his books. And I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly how I sell. This is so me. But he also has a book on the little gold book of yes attitude that's been very impactful. Um, and then outside of uh, a very few current authors, I read a lot of really old books, mm. old, old books. I find that there is so much value in what people said a hundred years ago that's actually still relevant and in some cases more relevant today than when they said it. Mm. Authors like Napoleon Hill, Samuel Smiles, go back and and look at old personal development books and that's my favorite thing to dig into. To your point, yes, I, I think there's a lot of value in older books and in the classics and the you know how to win friends and influence people and seven habits and on and on and on for sure. Well, this has been a, a fun time. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, Jen's book again is called Sales in a New York Minute: 212 pages of real world and easy to implement strategies to make more sales, build loyal relationships, and make more money. Yay! 
Uh, thank you, Jen, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Friends and Family Day on the Read to Lead podcast. Nothing wrong with that at all. I'll be sure to link to the books and authors that Jen talked about, our friend Honore Quarter, her husband, Jeffrey Gittimer, and others, and of course, the other links and resources that were mentioned. All of that can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 462 for episode 462. Remember to join the Read to Lead community online and get a free book summary every single week. You can sign up right now for free at jeffbrown.me. That's J-E-F-F-B-R-O-W-N. Did I really need to spell it? Dot me. That's jeffbrown.me. Next time on the show, we'll be welcoming new authors Colin Goggins and Garrett Brown. They've written a book called The Unsold Mindset, Redefining What It Means to Sell. Keeping with the selling theme, they argue that the world's greatest sellers are the opposite of who you think they are. That's next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Hope to see you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.